And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Mentors. I am your host, Tom Laurie, and we're coming to you from our Salem Network Studios in California. We all need mentors along the way. They come from all walks of life, from all cultures, and from all stages of life. Good mentors are invaluable as they share their hard-won knowledge and wisdom about success at home, in your job, and most importantly, in life. This show is for everyone, regardless of where you are on your journey, as we can learn from everyone. We are all on a journey. I purposely seek out guest mentors who can be inspirational and provocative. Think about those who have been a big influence in your life. These have been your mentors. I hope you have reached out to them and told them how important they have been for you. Gratitude is one of the keys to a good, joy-filled life. Today, we have a very special treat. This edition of The Mentors is titled Conquering the Wild Blue Yonder. Our guest mentors today are Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith, United States Air Force, retired 93rd Fighter Squadron, which is based in Homestead, Florida, and Colonel David Smith, United States Air Force, commander of the 419th Fighter Wing, which is based at Hill Air Force Base in Utah. They are brothers. They are Air Force Academy graduates. They have been or are reservists, are veteran fighter pilots, have been combat tested, and when, not, and when not serving our country, serve with JetBlue. David serves as a first officer, and Peter serves as a captain with JetBlue. They will be sharing a behind-the-scenes look into their journey of becoming the right stuff. Let me first welcome Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Tom. Pleasure to be with you. Tell us a little bit about your journey uh, to where you are today. Sure, I'm, I'm happy to. I think my journey, it's kind of a, a unusual story, but at the same time, it's just a kid's story from you know, 35, 40 years ago growing up in South Florida where aviation was sort of coming from the prop age into the jet age, pretty, pretty solidly into the jet age. But uh, I grew up with a, my father was a pilot. Uh, and, and for an airline at the time, and so aviation was part of my family. And uh, but the biggest part I think of my growing up was uh, watching uh, the old war movies. I, I just was really fascinated by, you know, Happy Boynton, and uh, you know, from that uh, I forget what show that is, but uh, great show, Battles of Midway, Red Baron, uh, those kinds of shows of uh, aerial dogfighting and that kind of thing was always piqued my interest uh, as a kid, and I used to watch those shows with my father growing up. Um, and I didn't really have any interest in, in, in airline flying, so to speak. I just wanted to go do what they do. But I didn't really know how to do that, and not really many of my family at the time knew how to do that either. Um, and But it sort of clicked for me one day. Uh, my dad gave me some flying lessons one uh, sometime, and I thought it was pretty neat and pretty pretty cool and I went out there and did it but then it kind of with teenage years kind of fell by the wayside until I saw a Fly Navy commercial back in the early 80s uh, with a aircraft carrier and an F-14 Tomcat landing on the aircraft carrier and I sort of kind of put three things I liked together there I said well I like to travel I love the water and I love flying so Let's fly Navy. And then I started doing the, the research and trying to get into that. And uh, as one thing led to another, doing a lot of questions and seeking out guidance from counselors at the school and talking to my, my father's friends. My father was not military. 
he was civilian, so he didn't really have a, a, a good idea of how to do it. We just started doing the research, and uh, I pursued the Naval Academy. But in that pursuit, sort of a late pursuit, I discovered the Air Force Academy and uh, was offered a alternate nomination to the Air Force Academy Prep School, where I obviously leaped at the opportunity. And uh, from there, uh, the rest was history. It sort of went on from there. Um, and then you, you that. and when you got out of the academy, what was your uh, first assignment? My first assignment, well, went to the academy, and there was a thing there. I became a glider instructor at the Air Force Academy uh, and to pursue my dream. I really wanted to fly fighter jets. That was my, my, my goal. My first assignment out of uh, the Air Force Academy, I went to Euronado Joint Jet Pilot Training to train with Germans and uh, Portuguese and um, Brits, and we had a, a heck of a time. It was a lot of fun. And then I went on to fly OB-10s for a couple of years, the, the Bronco, and then from there I went on to the A, OA-10, flying in uh, South Carolina, South Korea for a year, and then I became an instructor in the A-10. And then as life, uh, uh, as everyone knows, in 1989 when the wall came down, uh, the operational tempo sort of picked up in the Air Force. So it was decision time with commitment. Uh, we can go on further there in, in a moment. Well, if, uh, let's go to your younger brother, Commander Smith. What's your story? <laughs> uh, thanks, Tom. First of all, thanks for having me on behalf of uh, all of my airmen from the 419th Fighter Wing. It's a pleasure to be with you on your show today. But um, my story, so quite simply, um, since my brother Pete uh, so eloquently talked about the influences of his life, I obviously mirrored that um, uh, as the younger brother, but uh, really I follow, wanted to follow in my brother's footsteps. So, of course, my father and my mother had a lot of influence on us, but, but I did follow essentially through, um, through Pete's footsteps through the academy. But I suspect what you, what you want to know is sort of the, the, the path to where we got today. So after graduating from the Air Force Academy, um, I was a pilot for many years in the active duty, and I transitioned to the reserve reserves after 11 years, just under 11 years of active duty service, and then on to, um, uh, and during that time, flying mostly, most, the majority of that time flying F-16s, but several air, other aircraft, um, and then transitioned to the reserve component, flying F-16s as a full-timer and then a part-timer, um, where I eventually was a squadron commander, and then a, a group commander, and where I am now today, which is a wing commander um, uh, with the Air Force Reserve Command in the 419th Fighter Wing. And you have how many people reporting to you as commander? Uh, just under 1,200 people. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Peter, the AO-10 is the A-10, right? The Warthog? Yeah, the Warthog. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And then you made a transition to the F-16 after 9-11. That's correct, yes. I, 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 my wife and I, we, uh, we had been married and had been deployed to Operation Southern Watch a couple times, and uh, the operational tempo was pretty high in the late 90s, or the early 90s, I should say, through the late 90s. So we had a decision to make uh, for stability for the family, so we decided to try the airlines out and, and the reserves of the Guard, and uh, and that's uh, that's kind of where we made the transition. Three, four years later, I got a job with uh, the Makos at, at Homestead Flying F-16. Well, great. That takes us right up to the break. So have you ever thought about what it's like to train as a fighter pilot in the United States Air Force? Come back after the break as we talk to our guest mentors, Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith from the 93rd Fighter Squadron and Colonel David Smith, commander of the 419th Fighter Wing. Ah, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. 
HopeInACan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. Because you're active in your church, you may have wondered, how can we maintain the quality of our stained glass windows? What is their value? What would repairs cost? You can get a no-cost analysis of your church's stained glass windows at willethauser.com to help you make the best decisions for restoration or new windows. A free inspection and evaluation of your church's windows by the Willethauser Artisans can answer your questions. Over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience. Willethauser.com And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. This is Tom Laurie, and today we're back again with Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith and Colonel David Smith from the United States Air Force. Uh, Both of them are fighter pilots, and we've been discussing and will be discussing conquering the wild blue yonder. When we uh, took the break, uh, we were just getting to the tail end of your discussing how you found your way into uh, being fighter pilots. And I'll start here. We'll go reverse order this time. And I'll start with Commander Smith. Tell us a little bit about the training, uh, particularly training when you're going to go into combat. And, you know, just generally, what is it that you learn? What are the most important things that helped you to become uh, the best you could be when you were facing uh, some significant uh, challenges in the air? That's a great question, Tom. So, um, when we're talking about um, fighter pilots and preparing for uh, combat operations, um, the reason our Air Force is so successful is because we have the, the, the best trained airmen in the world, uh, quite frankly. I mean, what it comes down to is um, proficiency, professionalism. And what I mean by professionalism, I, I mean knowing your job. So uh, in the civilian world, it would be knowing your task or be, or knowing um, your job specifics um, to the letter, whether it be a technical order or a manual um, in the professional world um, for our folks that have advanced degrees, understanding um, their specialties. So our airmen are highly trained, and and that's not unique to just fighter pilots, but currently uh, for my airmen that are flying the F-35 and uh, previous that were flying the F-16, it really comes down to um, professionalism, continuing education, uh, constantly uh, training, uh, and just being the best you can be in your weapon system, which for us was the F-16. But we also have trained leaders, so uh, that's one of the things that's important. But um, that repetitive training um, allows you to, uh, because you're proficient in it, once you go to combat, it just becomes second nature. So I would imagine it's in the civilian world it would transfer to anything that's high stress. If you have good quality training and it's repetitive, and once you're put under stress, you just fall back on what your training uh, puts you through over time, which is uh, what our airmen do today. And Lieutenant Colonel Smith, I know there was an incident uh, back a few years uh, when your brother at the time was the squadron commander, and uh, you put a F-16 into the Gulf of Mexico. Could you talk a little bit about uh, what you were dealing with at that point in time? Well, it, uh, actually, my brother wasn't the, became the commander in, uh, just after that, uh, I, uh, as far as timing goes. But the, um, it's like my brother was alluding to. You know, we train to excellence and, and in this particular day. I was trying to perfect a, a, a maneuver tactically. I, I was, you know, tactically fighter pilot 101 is kind of what we call it. You know, you're you're training to be the best at what you do, and 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 
in terms of tactics uh, against the enemy or, or whatever we have to do. So uh, from that regard, I was uh, trying to perfect the maneuver in the daytime as well as at nighttime because a lot of our sorties were were now moving towards the evening, um, uh, tactically in the evening time. So in this particular evening, I just decided that, uh, you know, I've, I... I I, if I perfect this thing in the day, I've got to be able to do it at night. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I didn't weigh the uh, environmental effects and what they could have on me uh, during this maneuver over the water uh, to a high degree of awareness and essentially turn the water into the sky based on the environmental. So I can't really get into all the details, but it, I wound up in a spatial disorientation scenario where I had to eject from the aircraft. Uh, I did my best to, to survive it, but unfortunately, um, and save the airplane, but unfortunately, uh, one of the things that we're taught is to know our limitations. And uh, with about 0.87 seconds left to live, I, I decided that uh, it was better to live. Uh, and so I pulled the ejection handle and, uh, and learned from it. And that was uh, beginning the process of learning from it. And uh, I think you know, our entire CAF, Combat Air Force, did learn from it in terms of my incident and space disorientation to make our systems a little bit uh, better at, at night and helping us make that decision and helping us find which way is up. But that's all very detail-oriented and can't get into much more detail than that. So so I, it's my understanding uh, from what I've read that about a third of all of the crashes uh, in the uh, whether it's the Navy or the Air Force, have to do with spatial disorientation. So it's something that's, I, I hate to say common, but it's at least common to those that are that where there are uh, crashes. And uh, is, is that my understanding? Is it correct? Well, there, the Navy has a little higher incidence of it just because they're, they're in a really unforgiving environment uh, constantly with a moving deck and at night and recovering on a moving deck at night. And uh, they, they do have a higher incidence of spatial disorientation issues, but they're really attacking this problem uh, with systems uh, and technology uh, at a rapid, rapid rate. There's a program called the Kraken in the Navy that's doing an incredible job with uh, disorientation in terms of the systems and the airplane having uh, the ability to, you know, you press a button and the airplane will know which way is up for you. Um, and we're all getting better at it. Uh, and, you know, that's just like any, any kind of uh, highly technical device or equipment. You know, over time, you know, we, we learn to make it better. And, you know, the flying that we were flying, fourth-generation airplanes, just we didn't have the technology that we do today uh, to, to make these airplanes uh overcome human physiological limitations uh, with environmentals, you know, visual illusions and uh, somatosensory problems and uh, these kinds of things and flying on night vision goggles and the field of view and the field of regard problems that we have with the instrumentation. All that is getting, getting much, much better uh, today. And I, I predict we're going to have very few problems uh, with spatial D with the technology. It's always going to be there, but we're going to have the systems that, and the ability and the situation awareness to enable, and also, even when we're unable, those systems will back us up and keep us out of trouble. And I'm turning it over to uh, Commander Smith. Uh, you are responsible, as I understand it, for operationalizing the F-35 for the Air Force up at Hill Air Force Base. Uh, are those improvements, have they uh, been made? I know you're flying the F-35 yourself, even as commander, uh, but... Maybe you can talk uh, in a general sense. I know you can't in a specific sense a little bit about the F-35 and what you've learned after you've come from the F-16. Oh, the F-35. Uh, so Hill Air Force Base, and with our active duty partners, the 388th Fighter Wing and the 419th Fighter Wing, is the first combat operational F-35 base in the Air Force. And uh, eventually by FY19, that's fiscal year 19, we'll have uh, 78 airplanes on the ramp, uh, three uh, full active duty squadrons, one reserve squadron. Um, that uh, we share the F-35s amongst our operators, uh, that's pilots and our maintainers. 
but the weapon system is phenomenal. It's it's the technology. It's advanced. Um, it's leaps and bounds above what we call fourth gen fourth gen technology, which is your F-16s or your F-15s. But so our fifth gen platforms in the Air Force have just taken this. Uh, the U.S. Air Force and our Navy and Marine partners, because they're all um, uh, buying the F-35. Uh, it's just an outstanding weapon system that takes us to the next level um, with re- regards to combat capability. That's required because of uh, some of the adversaries that we might face in the future if we were called upon. Great. We're going to cut the break. This is the Mentors. Today we are speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith and Commander David Smith of the United States Air Force, U.S. Air Force fighter pilots. Come back. We'll be talking about why your child may or should consider the Air Force and the Air Force Academy. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. My Pillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal. Focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. CatholicBusinessJournal.biz. This is a church. A church that might be like yours, with beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willethauser Architectural Glass. Willethauser did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. Then their craftsmen, with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience, brought the church's stained glass windows back to life. Willethauser.com. Attention salespeople. Are you struggling trying to make sales on a daily basis so you can earn more money and enjoy a better lifestyle? Are you sick and tired of prospects telling you they want to think about it and not being able to pay your bills? End all that now by going to www.minutestosales.com and sign up for my free webinar. Hello, I'm Jeff Motter and I regularly hear from salespeople and business owners who are struggling to get more sales because they don't know how to sell in a clear and convincing way. And that was me when I started out in sales more than 35 years ago. I knew I had a great product that made people's lives better, but for some reason I just didn't know how to tell people about it in a clear and convincing way. I couldn't even close the door, so to speak. But all that changed when I cracked the code. Since then I've helped hundreds of people to understand the process and be able to sell at will. If you'd like to start making more sales immediately, sign up for my free webinar at www.minutestosales.com where you can experience for yourself my simple, amazing process and see how it instantly improves your sales ability. Go to www.minutestosales.com today and sign up for my free webinar. Talk to you soon. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors. Today, our guest mentors are Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith and Commander David Smith, both with the U.S. Air Force, and these are combat-tested fighter pilots. You can call us anytime at 844-610-TALK, 844-610-TALK. Our lines are open 24-7, and we listen to all of our messages, and we'll answer those questions you have on air. If you have any other questions or comments about the show, you can find us online at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. Lieutenant Colonel and Commander Smith, the brothers Smith, 
I'd like to go back and talk about an earlier stage in your career when you were at the Air Force Academy. And uh, with this question, we'll start with um, Lieutenant Colonel Smith, who's the older of the two brothers. What, if you look back on your time at the Academy and you think about when you graduated from high school, what was the most important thing that you came out of the Academy with? What was the big learning? Great question. The, the Air Force Academy is the life skills uh, and the leadership and followership and knowing when to lead, follow, get out of the way was probably, and, and the desire to continue learning for the rest of your, your life, I think were the most valuable aspects of, of graduating from the Air Force Academy. I just don't, from a high school perspective, I never had that kind of, you know, training in terms of uh, excellence in what we do and putting people first and, and how to get up and, and lead people in, in certain challenges and then knowing when to get out of the way of people that know how to do it better. You, you get such an incredible, diverse environment of all of those three areas of you know, following, leading, and you know, stepping aside and evaluating who can do it better and why, why it was done better and, and how you can get better in the future. But that aspect of life training has translated in everything. I mean, the, when you come out of the academy, it's, it's very difficult not to try and be excellent in, in all that you try to do. You're going to put in the effort. You're going to show up on time. You're going to be early. You're going to put in the late hours. You're going to take care of your people. You're just, it's, there's very few uh, academy uh, graduates that uh, don't have that dedication to the country, uh, dedication to the Constitution, dedication to officership. Uh, it's, just, it's just ingrained in you uh, by that point. So it's just, that's, and that carries through to your family as a husband, as a father, it's, it was an incredible, I have, I'm so grateful to the men and women that, that taught me at the Air Force Academy and gave me and instilled in me these, these life skills uh, moving forward. Commander Smith, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, sure, Tom. I'll follow up with um, what Pete said. Um, but I think what would be important to, to your listeners would be, uh, the one of the things is also the Air Force Academy, not unique to the Air Force Academy, not but also the other service academies and um, military service in general, I would say the biggest takeaway is uh, a values-based system. In other words, um, in the Air Force, we have some core values. And one of the biggest values that I took from my experience uh, from the Air Force Academy was selfless service. And it, it, to translate that into um, leadership and to putting um, your, your people first, uh, in an organization, in any organization, and not just a military organization, but any organization with regard to taking care of your people, selfless service. Uh, the service academies do a great job of instilling those values in you, as well as integrity, excellence that my brother already touched on. Those core values that we teach in the military translate across uh, any career field. I would say that's probably the biggest takeaway from a military service academies that dedicated selfless service um, and discipline. And I know that uh, there are kids that come right out of high school and go into the Air Force. Uh, Commander Smith, maybe you can talk a little bit about what the career opportunities are for those people and also some of the uh, requisites are that they have to have to make that switch into the Air Force. But I, I know there's some exciting opportunities there. There are. So... Uh, um, the F-35 is just one example of where we're going uh, as an Air Force, but as a, as a Department of Defense. It's such a highly technical um, weapon system. So our airmen that work on uh, these platforms have the F-35. We, we often joke that it has millions, uh, hundreds of thousands of lines of code. It's essentially a flying computer. It's not much... Um, it's very difficult to compare it to some of the weapon systems that we've used in the past in that uh, it, it's straightforward. Uh, we used to use the, the, the analogy of steam dials 
everything is um, very technically advanced. So for our airmen, or for your young uh, high school uh, folks that might be interested in service, um, regardless of this, the service, in other words, Air Force, uh, Army, Navy, Marines, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, these are core capabilities that uh, our young uh, generation now um, is going to translate uh, to um, the current uh, Air Force Airmen because we just have to have that capability, and they, they're doing such great work now. These young um, high school students and and uh, associate graduates and college graduates are so much more advanced than we were when we were younger with regards to their ability to work on um, advanced um, weapon systems. Um, fiber optics, um, carbon composites, computers. Uh, for example, a maintenance technician in the past would have a would be a sheet metal technician. Well, on the F-35, uh, you're working on um, composites and advanced materials um, that uh, kind of technology that you get with a, uh, the fifth generation platforms that we're using in the Department of Defense. And then, of course, computers, um, engineering, math and sciences. Um, we also have a large depot level maintenance here at Hill Air Force Base with a software development lab. So uh, Intel, cyber, intelligence and cyber, cyberspace. Um, just pick up the paper and read about cyberspace, but all of that is transferable uh, to both the civilian community and the military community. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel Smith, I know that you uh, at one time went out and talked to high school students about uh, joining the Air Force, and you also have a, a very strong interest and a lot of passion about uh, working with kids in high school. Uh, what What is the uh, the one or two things you would tell a parent on the value of their child going to an academy or joining the Air Force? Um, the interaction, interaction with people. Um, you're gonna you're gonna learn interaction uh, piece and 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 develop excellent learning uh, people skills, um, which carry to any organization, no matter where you go. Uh, that's. The number, one of the highlights, and then the other one is integrity. I think the integrity, you can't leave the Air Force Academy without living uh, uh, an honorable life and, and unquestionable integrity. It's, it's very difficult. It's just ingrained in you once you, once you uh, graduate from there. We're going to be taking another quick break. You can take the mentors with you wherever you go. You can find us at thementorsradio.com, on Facebook, iTunes, and podcasts. After the break, we're going to talk about Air Force and leadership. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal, focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's catholicbusinessjournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. catholicbusinessjournal.biz. catholicbusinessjournal.biz. 
God, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I am Tom Laurie, and I'm with Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith and Commander David Smith, both United States Air Force fighter pilots. And we're talking about conquering the wild blue yonder. Uh, Both of you... I've been to the academy. You've been out uh, in the uh, Air Force and been many years, many years flying. I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, leadership training and leadership and what it means to each of you. And we'll start with um, Commander Smith. And, you know, what is your number one job as a leader? And I realize you both have had different kinds of jobs along the way, but there's probably a thread that goes through all of them. Yeah, no question, Tom. I, I would say my number one job as a leader is to take care of my airmen. And how would that translate to the civilian world? It would be taking care of your employees, taking care of whoever works under you, uh, without question. I mean, we used to um, talk about in the, in the Air Force, we used to talk about mission first. Well, we've actually flipped that around uh, in my organization at the 419th Fighter Wing, which is let's take care of our airmen first. If we take care of our airmen, then they will ultimately take care of the mission. The mission takes care of itself because we give them the resources they need, the training they need, the education they need, the tools they need. We treat them fairly, fair compensation, um, good benefits. If we, That's my number one job. And get them the resources they need to do their job. And what I found is if they have the resources they need to do the job, they're so innovative. Um, innovative employees, in my case, airmen, innovative airmen that get the job done every way uh, and efficiently and professionally every day. And what um, is afforded you with regard with regards to ongoing training and learning as a leader? Uh, my ongoing training. Yep. Well, well, I've had great mentors. You know, obviously, this is a mentor show. So um, I've had great leaders ahead of me. Um, if I could to reflect back on some of the, the important folks that influenced my leadership style. I would probably say, um, obviously, uh, my parents at a young age. Um, but then as I went through the service academies, probably my coach. I think my, my water polo coach was my biggest influence um, in uh, my mentoring as a, as a cadet. Um, he, and actually, we're still friends. I still communicate with him. He's still the water polo coach at the Air Force Academy, over 30-plus years of service. But he, I think coaching, and my brother, I think, alluded to this earlier, which is socialization. I think a lot of our kids today are very um, uh, technology-driven, so they're either, either immersed in um, video technology or phones. Um, but one of the important things is interaction with other human beings, which is very important. And as a leader, how do you, how do you motivate this new generation of young um, people that are growing up in a very technology-driven society. And I think one of the ways is just to encourage interaction again and encourage um, maybe stepping away from the computer screen or, or the iPhone and engaging in uh, interaction and taking care of each other as a team, like team-oriented skills. Uh, so that's some important influences in my leadership uh, life. Are there any special books that you can point to that you have found to be extremely helpful? Um, I, I, I did read um, uh, several, um, multiple military leadership books, but uh, more recently, uh, the Simon Sinek series, uh, Start With Why. Um, in other words, what is the, why are we here? You know, I use that a lot with my uh, young airmen. In other words, uh, promoting the, the really core value of why we serve, which is, in our case, um, we're not here for the money, obviously, right? When we're doing military service, we're really here to serve our country, and we're here to defend, support, and defend the Constitution of the United States. 
Um, my our airman officer and enlisted. Everybody takes an oath. And that oath is to protect the very freedoms that all of us enjoy in this country. It's one of those great things, the value-driven service that we have. That's transferable, transferable into civilian life as well. That's, I think those values are important. Um, and if you can lead young um, individuals, whether it be employees, in my case airmen, uh, to um, instill those values, whatever those core values might be, for us it's service, integrity, excellence. Um, it'll translate throughout your organization. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel Smith, uh, you're spending a lot, I mean, you're retired now as a fighter pilot, and you are a captain for JetBlue, and that's a leadership role as well, and maybe you can combine your Air Force experience with your commercial Air Force, uh, commercial air experience on what your number job, number one job is as a leader. Well, I would say there are two things that stand out from what you're saying. So conquering the wild blue yonder for these uh, young folks that uh, are interested in, in becoming fighter pilots and leading and, and doing things like my brother's doing today. Um, number one is commitment. Okay, so commitment is one thing you learn at, at the academy uh, at an early stage. It's, it, the little things matter. Little things lead, the small things lead to big things. So, you know, even if it's something just as mundane, as innocuous as is shining your shoes every single day, and if you're not shiny and you get a demerit, you know, it's understanding that that commitment is part of doing those small things leads to the Air Force entrusting you with, in my brother's case, in, you know, a $100 million airplane, uh, 35. So you have to be able to do those little things so that you don't miss the big things on the checklist items that could jeopardize uh, a machine down the road. So they're trusting you to do that. So commitment, being committed to what it is you're intending to do, the goal that you set yourself and staying committed and focused and understanding that the little things can lead to big things. That's one thing I'd say to the the young group out there. The other thing is example. You have to be an example of what it is you're trying to achieve. So, if that's leadership and you're in a, in a flight, then and do the, be the one that has the shiny shoes in the flight and do your best to do that and, and, and ask and do what is asked of you because that's, it's important that you set an example because it's gonna, uh, you're going to constantly be asked to lead if you set the right example for your troops. If we want a standard for excellence in, in, in physical and the physicals, then you as a commander need to demonstrate excellence in the physicals. Um, in terms of those standards. So that's important. It's the same thing with JetBlue. As a captain, you know, I show up and I have to, uh, I have to set an example for my people. I have to be dressed appropriately. I have to look the part. And I want the passengers to get on board when I say hello to feel as if I am going to take care of them for the next two hours or five hours of their life no matter what. I want to instill that confidence in them. So I want to look professional. I want to speak to them professional. I want to be articulate. I want to treat, treat my, set the tone for my crew. It's the same thing, and it carries you just all the way through your, even as a CEO. This, these are all transferable skills, as my brother so eloquently uh, said, into your civilian career. And, uh, and this, that's what's so great about pursuing uh, this, this track, and whether it be West Point or Naval Academy or Air Force Academy, you're going to get, example and you're going to get commitment it's it's going to be ingrained in you wow time's going fast and uh uh, we still got another segment to go for those in our audience stick around we've got one more segment with lieutenant colonel peter smith and commander david smith of the united states air force both are combat tested fighter pilots I had like memory foams, I had feather pillows, and I'd always wake up with neck pain. After sleeping on my pillow, I didn't wake up with the headaches, I was more aligned. I didn't realize the connection between the pillow and sleep. When I switched to my pillow, I got a better night's sleep, and I love it. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and it holds that support all night long to take the pressure off your shoulders and keep your neck aligned so you get the best night's sleep of your life. MyPillow is machine washable and dryable and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an amazing 10-year warranty. Plus, every MyPillow is made in the USA. 
I personally guarantee that my pillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. My pillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to mypillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632 and use promo code mentors. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay, order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. HopeInACan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. We're back again with our guest mentors, United States Air Force fighter pilots, Commander David Smith and Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith. If you've just tuned in, you can listen to the entire show and previous shows by going to thementorsradio.com, thementorsradio.com. When we left, we were talking about the um, leadership, and I want to switch back now to your flying and... I know that both of you served at the same time in Afghanistan Afghanistan just a few years ago. Uh, one was in, I think, uh, Commander Smith, you were in Kandahar, and I think, Lieutenant Colonel, you were flying out of Kabul. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Okay, Some, something, something like that. Bagram, Bagram Air Force Base. For Bagram, yeah. Me. And uh, you had... Um, uh, I think, uh, Commander Smith, you were in charge of trying to uh, wind down operations there. Is that correct? Yes. At the time, we were reducing forces uh, in Afghanistan, and one of my roles um, was, uh, as the Deputy Operations Group Commander, was to facilitate uh, that reduction in forces. Mm -hmm. Well, that's obviously a big strain on the family, and... uh, your family's part of the team. Could you talk a little bit to what it was like for your families as you both were serving in Afghanistan? You were there at the same time. For most, you're overlapped. I know that. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, what your families had to uh, deal with with you guys uh, out of the country in a combat zone. And so I'll, I'll touch on that, Tom. So, so we, when my when Pete and I worked together, we were actually in Iraq, um, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Um, but, um, you know, our families and any Air Force family, not just our family, not just the Smith family, if you will, but our families um, are so resilient because they're, they're conditioned to do this. And I, one thing that's important uh, that I stress when I speak publicly for all of, of our airmen, you, people have heard of the greatest generation or we talk about World War II veterans or we talk about Vietnam veterans, but we often forget that our current airmen and their families, more important their families, have been at war their entire 
career. So they've been involved in some type of combat operation their entire career. What I mean by that, like my brother and I both, since since we graduated from the academy, if you think back to Desert Storm, Allied Force, Iraqi Freedom, Enduring Freedom, and our current engagements that we're operating in, these young um, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, they they are a true new greatest generation because their families have endured for so long. So it's important on Veterans Day, of course, to to understand that as well. But what's it like? It's, I would say, um, and I'll give my brother some time, but it's actually um, the families, um, obviously there's a lot of great support at home. So when we have community support, whether it's our local communities um, or whether it's within the Air Force family or the Navy, Marine, Army family uh, or the Coast Guard family, if it's within that family, that camaraderie in esprit de corps helps um, But technology, believe it or not, is actually helping out as well. You can actually Skype or FaceTime or whatever uh, multimedia platform families use to to talk to each other. And then I'll just uh, yield the rest of my time to my brother. Well, actually, I have a surprise for you. We have your mother in the studio today, and I'm going to have her uh, introduce herself. Patricia? Patricia Smith? Hi, I'm their mom, and I'm sure they're shocked because this is probably the longest that they have ever heard me be silent in their entire lives. <laughs> and and hello, mom. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, and have have her. I'm going to have her very quickly now. Just what was it like for you when both of your sons were in combat zones? Oh, I was a wreck. <laughs> I mean, that's that's honest. You yes. know, that's you. Every day you think. You know, every day that's all you're thinking about is, you know, how are they doing? And um, you just want them home is what you – but you try not to say it too much even though they know I'm I'm a pretty big wuss um, because that doesn't help them, you know. So all you can do is try to be as supportive as possible, and I don't know if I filled that that bill. <laughs> well, listen, we're, gonna, we're running out of time. Uh, I want to thank uh, – United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Peter Smith and Commander David Smith for your time today. We really appreciate it. We extend our regards to your family. This has been a great deal of fun, and hopefully we'll get you guys on again to talk about uh, more about leadership and the uh, United States Air Force. You've been listening to The Mentors. We've been talking about Conquering the Wild Blue Yonder with two Air Force senior pilots. Join us next weekend at this time for the next edition of The Mentors or listen to us on TheMentorsRadio.com. Until next week, on behalf of Rick Brutico, John Phillips, I am Tom Laurie, urging you, be all you can be, and to keep the candle lit for those who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.